the issues with the virus so that's that's prevailing in india and even bangladesh in, in april they had a bit of an increase in cases but they've so far managed pretty well i guess they saw what was happening in india in in in, in late march and early april and took preventive measures early on and case numbers have come down over there as well so actually although many of the countries in our markets have seen various waves they managed to keep it under control and even vietnam which is seeing its fourth wave now still is still having my you know exports still grown by more than 35% uh, last month uh, which is phenomenal especially in this environment so overall it's, it's been well managed okay rushir thanks very much for coming in and telling us about that that's rushir desai fund manager at asia frontier capital you're listening to money talk on rthk radio 3 Asian markets are moving further ahead this morning in Australia the ASX 200 up 0.9% the Nikkei 225 in Japan up 2/3 of 1% in South Korea the Cosby also advancing about 0.4% and futures markets indicating a rebound of about half a percent for the Hang Seng at the open this morning In the commodities markets, gold is at $1,908 an ounce and Brent crude oil at $71.44 a barrel News coming up followed by back chats with Hugh Chiverton and Jim Gould. Please stay tuned for that. The weather forecast for today, sunny periods. One or two showers at first. It is going to be very hot again during the day. Maximum temperature of about 33 degrees. The very hot weather warning is in force. And then the outlook is for heavy showers and squally thunderstorms tomorrow and early Saturday. Very hot with sunny periods on Sunday. It's 29 degrees right now, 83% relative humidity. 8:31 and a half here Samantha Butler with a half hour news. Political commentator Chung Kim Wah says the official use of simplified characters in Hong Kong since the handover is nothing new, but he says a suggestion from the Ministry of Education to grant legal status to simplified characters in the SAR raises questions of what would happen to the status of traditional characters. The suggestions were made in a report about the language situation in the Greater Bay Area. Mr Chung described the comment as a test and questioned if it meant the legal status of traditional characters would be cancelled. Soon after the handover, simplified characters have been recognised by the government, and simplified characters, uh, a version of official documents, have been issued since then. So it's one of the new things for Hong Kong. But of course, the suggestion of Beijing is a test already, because he's saying that they want to have a legal status. They mean that the traditional Chinese character would be cancelled or would be how illegal in Hong Kong soon. This is another issue. Huawei has launched its own mobile operating system in a bid to break away from reliance on Google's Android. A video presentation from the Chinese tech firm's headquarters in Shenzhen showcased Harmony OS. Here's the BBC's Zoe Kleinman. Chinese tech giant Huawei has showed off a range of new products at a high-profile online launch event, but the big news was about its own operating system, Harmony OS, Huawei's alternative to Google's Android platform, which powers most non-Apple devices. A trade ban imposed by the US last year because of security concerns prevented Huawei products from working fully with Android because it blocked access to essential apps like Gmail and Google Maps. An update to Harmony means it will now be installed on many more Huawei devices including its smartphones and smartwatches in Asia. There are no plans yet for a global launch, the firm said. The United States has decided to suspend for up to 6 months a plan to impose retaliatory tariffs on the UK, India, Turkey and three EU nations over their taxes on overseas digital services companies. Here's the BBC's Andrew Walker. 
One of the strands in tax discussions in the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development is looking at how to ensure some of the big technology companies pay tax in countries where they make money but have no physical presence. Frustration about the progress of those talks led some countries to go ahead unilaterally. The US saw this as a move targeted at American businesses and decided to impose tariffs on a range of goods from the countries concerned in retaliation. The US has now decided not to go ahead with that action for the time being to allow those global talks more time. Under President Biden, the US has been better disposed to those negotiations, which are seen as now having a better chance of success. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton and your co-host today is Jim Gould. Jim, good morning. Good morning. Updates on COVID-19 today and shark's fin. Health officials have warned that, I'm sorry, have announced that Tuesday's sole case, uh, a local case, a policeman, was not actually infected with COVID-19 after all, with his positive result being blamed on contamination. That latest development means we've now gone 40 days without an untraceable case. And teenagers may be able to get their COVID jab soon, as the government's vaccines advisory panel has recommended offering the BioNTech jab to children aged 12 to 15. Meanwhile, leading Hong Hong Kong business groups have called on the government to expand its exemption of compulsory coronavirus quarantine beyond the financial sector's top brass if it hopes to reopen the economy. Now, senior executives from about 500 companies can apply for up to four trips a month. Karen Ham's defended the scheme, saying it's not a free-for-all situation. What do you make of that plan? And the football club has told its employees to get vaccinated against COVID, warning that a failure to get jabbed without a medical exemption will see them miss out on pay rises, bonuses and even promotions. Do you agree with that approach? Have you had problems finding a quarantine of hotel? Uh, will the lack of rooms there sink the cruise plans? Let us know your thoughts, your questions and your comments. Professor Cowling uh, is here once again. Uh, our address, uh, email address is bankchat at rthk.hk. Our telephone number is 233-88266. Give us a call, 233-88266. Or you can comment on our Facebook page. That's Bankchat and RTHK Radio 3. And after 9.15, as I say, we're going to be discussing Shark's Fin, uh, serve from the University of Hong Kong says the number of people uh, consuming uh, shark fin locally has reduced by half over the past decade. What's going on there? Uh, once again, our email address is bankchat at rthk.hk. Uh, just a few uh, uh, emails to uh, kick us off uh, on uh, related and unrelated uh, topics. Uh, Mary says, uh, so the pro-establishment LegCo members are now in full attack mode on legal aid. This demonstrates, as we already well aware, that those politicians who claim to support the grassroots in reality conspire to erode and diminish what few rights are left for the less fortunate. Legal costs in Hong Kong are prohibitive. The objectives of legal aid are intended to ensure that no one with reasonable grounds for taking or defending proceedings is prevented from doing so because of a lack of means and to ensure that in the interest of justice, no one charged with a criminal offence or with reasonable grounds of appeal is deprived of legal representation because of lack of means. In other words, to allow those of limited means and with legitimate claims the opportunity to seek justice. But because some legal challenges do not concur with their political aims and personal grudges, the pro-establishment are now preparing to take advantage of their monopoly of the legislature to reduce the scope of this service, when if they were true champions of the people they profess to represent, they would be seeking ways to improve the system. That's uh, from Mary. 
Matthew says, the CE has told us yesterday that sending Hong Kong's elderly to the mainland is a solution to our ageing population program, problem. Of course, our own family already fled to the UK long ago. The CCP is again, once again predictably pushing the key imperative of its political control pl- playbook to replace Cantonese and traditional characters with their political dialect of Mandarin and Chairman Mao's simplified characters. We are somehow allowed to have a very high-risk indoor cruises to nowhere but cannot have an outdoor gathering to remember June the 4th under any circumstances and the museum has been forced to close. And for days, myself and other listeners have specifically suggested and requested Backchat to have a programme on the DAB bribery scandal during an important by-election with Nixie Lam and other DAB guests. These suggestions have been met with absolute silence. Yet once again today, Backchat has chosen to return to the topic of the virus, even though there are no cases, and will even spend time discussing a case that was not a case. Why Backchat? Why? What's going on with your topic choices? Matthew, we try and do both, and people are very interested, uh, understandably, in aspects of the pandemic, like Alok, who says... Good day. I feel like uh, having a doctor at the vaccine centre who can check and advise a potential vaccine candidate who may have some apprehension if it's safe for him or her to take the vaccine would be a good idea to convince more people to come forward for getting the job. My helper went for a BioNTech vaccine at the Hu Kong Street uh, Sports Centre in Kuantong after booking same. But when she mentioned about an allergy to some aspirins, she was sent back and told to get a doctor's certificate for suitability. She now has a six month waiting for consultation with the allergy specialist. I'm sure there will be many such apprehensions and a timely qualified medical advisor could encourage many people to go for the jab. That's from uh, Alok. Once again, our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Okay, maybe uh, uh, Benjamin Cowling first. Uh, Good morning to you. So um, this false positive case involving the police officer, uh, we've seen a few of these, haven't we? I mean, is it it something that we should be uh, concerned about? Do we need to improve testing, handling procedures? Uh, it's really a surprise to me that this, this vaccine has been detected on the policeman's hands. I, I don't know how much Sinovac gets into the environment, but it, it seems from this case that there's potentially a lot. We know the PCR tests are very, very sensitive. And of course, in, you know, in, in crime scenes, they always have the fingerprints of the police on record so that if the police touch stuff, they won't confuse it with the burglar. Um, when we look for viruses, we have the fingerprint of the vaccine in the database. So then in this case, we know that the, the, the PCR positive was from a vaccine, uh, not from the, the real virus. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just surprised about this particular incident. Um, it, it may come up again, particularly if we do a lot of testing. When we do mass testing, we know we can pick up false positives of, of this type. But um, he was symptomatic as well. So it, it's all a very interesting story. I, I don't know. Maybe there's more to it as well. It's, yeah, I, I don't know. But the symptoms were, were something else then, were they? He right, so it's a complete other... coincidence that he had symptoms due to something else and at the same time he's got vaccine on his hands because he'd been to the place where they were administering vaccines and supposedly there was a lot of that in the environment. Although I, I don't know, when they administer vaccines, they don't need to squirt the syringe anymore to blow the air out. Uh, that, that, that's all done somewhere else. So, I, yeah, I, I'd like to know more about this particular thing. It sounds really interesting. It sounds like it could be a film almost that there's so many interesting twists mm-hmm. to the story mm-hmm. but um I, yeah I, I don't know at, at least anyway at least that it's a false positive and we're we're now 40 days uh, su- supposedly without an untraceable case 
Yeah, uh, now we are 40 days without an untraceable case. Um, w- w- what should we be doing? What do we need, I, to, what do we need to maintain? I know you've said before that it's impossible to uh, keep at zero infections over, over a period of time. But Yeah, um, I think the next step yeah. is to go for the record. Right. So we had 52 days with zero cases a year ago. Mm. Uh, if we can beat that now, that would be great. I don't think we can plan on being at zero for months and months and months. That seems unlikely given what's happened in the past even six months. You remember there's been cases coming in from time to time, uh, slipping through. Uh, now we have uh, this latest exemption for the the the, um, uh, the top brass of the financial sector, yeah. as you said. Yeah. So I, I don't think we can count on being zero forever, but uh, it would be nice to be at zero for a little while so we can rest a little bit and enjoy the sunshine and, and the beaches are staying open and so on. Uh, so, so how are we going to maintain the, the current situation where we're not having uh, zero infections when we're gradually opening up? Uh, doing the same things that we've already been doing should be should be the right strategy for now. I think zero is a good place to be. At the same time, we have to recognise that it's fragile, that we won't stay at zero forever. And really, the long term solution to getting out of the pandemic, to getting out of the current measures, the status quo, is to have a high vaccine coverage. And we've seen a number of changes in the uh, that maybe the government policy and also the the, the, the businesses policies to try and stimulate greater vaccine uptake so that we can get to that higher vaccine coverage and then it would be safe to to reopen completely. We don't need to worry about COVID anymore. We don't need to be so focused on staying at zero anymore. Let's follow up. So on the pros, <clears throat> pros and cons of that, because we're, we're also joined by Felix Chung, Liberal Party leader and also the textiles and garment sector lawmaker. Uh, Mr Chung, good morning to you. Thanks, thanks for mentioning for joining us. So, yeah, it's reported that uh, the uh, General Chamber of Commerce and uh, AmCham uh, have been saying that uh, they should expand the scheme so it wouldn't be just the financial top brass, but uh, other sectors beyond finance uh, could be uh, allowed these, uh, these exemptions for, for uh, quarantine if they, were, if they had vaccinations. Uh, do you support those uh, calls? Oh, yeah, certainly you support that. Um, but, I mean, if you remember a week ago... Um, the monetary authority have made an announcement saying that um, if Hong Kong, um, the situation in Hong Kong cannot be improved, there, there will be affections on the status of the financial center uh, of Hong Kong in the world. So that might be um, the arrangement why the financial sector have this um, initiation uh, in the initiations on letting the financial people um, to come into Hong Kong and go to other places without quarantine or get the exemption of the 21 days. Professor Cowling, do you support it? What do you think of it? Yeah, I've said already, I think I said on this show as well, that I think vaccinated people should not have to go through quarantine. So not only the... the, Any vaccinated people? Yeah, any vaccinated people, I think, don't need to do quarantine anymore. That would be my recommendation. So not just the financial sector top brass, but but anybody, actually. Um, I hope that that will come into into fruition in in the coming months. Uh, Maybe not today, but in the coming months. Uh, Obviously... There's a pros and cons to relaxing quarantine for some people or, or vaccinated people. The pros are that you get to encourage vaccination uptake, and that means a quicker return to normal. But the downside is obviously that there's a risk. Now we see there's a loophole that if one of these financial uh, top brass executives was to bring in infection by accident, then that's a way that the virus could get into the community. But there's lots of other ways the virus can get in. So having that as a loophole, I think if, if you can trade off a higher vaccine coverage as a consequence, it really would be worth relaxing quarantine for vaccinated people. What do you think about that, Felix, John? I certainly agree with that. Well, especially um, 
why the vaccination percentage is so low in Hong Kong is a lot of people thinking of uh, there's no incentive at all for, for us to do the vaccinations. I mean, well, especially the business sector already voiced out that um, if we can have two jobs of vaccinations, uh, why not allowing us to go especially to the mainland? There are so many business people have business in mainland. For example, they have factories, they have uh, the retail business. Um, just follow the same arrangement as the financial sector. I mean, just let, let them... Well, the arrangement right now is um, they certainly have to do the two uh, jobs of vaccinations. Then um, need to get approval from, uh, for example, the FSC right now. And you have to tell them the whole itinerary, how many days you are coming to Hong Kong or going going out. So um, all this arrangement has to be pre-approved. And you know where they will go and what they are going to do. So, I mean, this is pretty safe, I think. And this is a very, very important incentive to let people to do the vaccination, especially if you compare to Singapore, uh, our, our very big competitive competitor. Um, already 50% of the population's got the first um, first jobs. And 30% already got the second second one. So compared to Hong Kong, we only have over just 20% of the people. So, I mean, we are very lucky behind the, with the other competitors. So um, this is one of the encouragements that, that the government should push for the business sector. You're talking about the business sector, um, um, people with uh, uh, dealings in the mainland and so on. W what about other people uh, who don't have businesses uh, in mainland China and who that may not be so uh, important for? I mean, how are you going to encourage them uh, to get vaccinated? Because we need the majority of people to be vaccinated, don't we, before we're going to improve the situation, really? Certainly, I agree with you. But, I mean, this is the first trial for uh, the group of people that uh, have a special purpose um, to go into, for example, the mainland or the other countries for the business. Um, this involves a very big group of people. So, I mean, if we can have this sort of initiate to encourage people to do it, and then we can open up to the other sector in the later stage. What, what about uh, domestic helpers? Would you allow domestic helpers in if they've been uh, vaccinated? Oh, yes. Yep. Of course, of course. No, I mean, right, right now, all the domestic helpers are, are, are welcome to do the vaccinations. And especially, um, you know... Sorry, but you'd allow them in without quarantine if they'd, had, if they'd been vaccinated? In the same way you, you, that... In you, same... You, mean, you, you mean from, from for, for example, Philippines yes. or Indonesia? Yes. Well, that... We have to look at the cases. Right now, Philippines and Indonesia, the, the um, infection, infection cases are pretty serious. So, I mean, we cannot just open up uh, or look at one factor. Uh, but now it sounds like you're making one rule for the, for the helpers and another rule for the executives. But in health terms, surely we should be treating them equally. Well, eventually, yes. But, I mean, at the present present moment. Right now, even for the financial sector, we are only allowing uh, 500 companies, the financial service companies, uh, have this sort of arrangement. Just let's see how it works and 
see how, um, uh, as I say, how it works first. You know, companies are approaching this in, in different ways, and we've just been hearing that the uh, the, the football club has, has been, been particularly uh, uh, strong, I, I guess, in this, saying that uh, uh, if employees don't get vaccinated or, or have an exemption certificate, they'll miss out on pay rises and, and even promotions. Promotions would be blocked. That's a fairly so kind of strong approach. Do you agree with that? No, I don't think this is a fair uh, arrangement. For uh, It's not fair to the employee at all. So, I mean, this is, of course, um, the decisions from the management of the football club, and let them uh, rethink about that. I mean, this this will be uh, a very negative uh, message to uh, to the business sector, and uh, very negative message to the society as well. But obviously, uh, taking the example of the football club, it affects their operations. Um, and they won't be able to stay open later unless all their staff are, uh, are vaccinated. Um, so, um, so, what would be a better way of uh, you know, encouraging, them, encouraging them to uh, get the inoculation? I think the better way is using some um, a positive encouragement rather than a negative one. For example, if you do the vaccinations, then you might have a double pay instead of uh, lesser pay. Mm -hmm. I mean, this, this is this will get people more excited about. Oh, okay, then uh, just just like um, one of the developers just donate uh, uh, apartment. So it's just encouraging the whole community that uh, uh, that uh, they're, they're they're more willing to do yeah. the, the vaccination. So I mean, for for, for the business community, no matter if it's a football club or, or whoever, if you say, I give you a double paid on on your salaries or certain type of bonus if you do the vaccination, I mean, it, it gives a fair, more, uh, a fair positive response rather than uh, the negative one. Mm -hmm. yeah. Professor yeah, yeah, Cowling, what, what do you think about that? Just, yeah, just I, I also, carrots or carrots I, and sticks? I also prefer carrots and sticks. And if I could just briefly pick up something that... Mm. that um, that uh, Felix mentioned a minute ago. Singapore actually doing very well. And a few days ago, they announced that they've got a new plan probably in September. They're not going to be aiming for zero COVID anymore. They're going to go back to normal. Everybody at that, at that point is going to have had the chance to be vaccinated if they want to. Of course, if people don't want to, that's OK. But the Singapore as a whole is going to go back to normal. No more quarantines, no more social distancing, no more mandatory masking, no more other COVID policies at the government level. At the individual level, people could choose. If they want to wear a mask, that's fine. And if people still haven't been vaccinated but they want to, they'll have a chance to do that. But the country's not going to, to, to stay closed anymore. And I think that's, that's something that Hong Kong could have been looking at as well and should be looking at right now to say September, October, November. We're going to have a time when things are going to get back to normal. The government's not going to have COVID policies so much anymore. No more quarantines, mandatory masking, social distancing, and it's up to individuals. If they don't want to get COVID, and they, they can get vaccinated. If they don't want to get vaccinated, they can choose to protect themselves however they like. But it's an individual choice, not something that's mandated by the government at that point. But wouldn't we still have to get up to a certain level of... Uh, I, think, I think we would, right? Six, I think it's, it, it, it's not so. safe for Hong Kong to do that today because we're, we're, our vaccine coverage is so low. We have to get up to 50, 60, 70 percent. And that's really the target now for the, for the next two or three months. In Singapore, as, as you mentioned, there's 50 percent of people have had their first dose and they're still going strong. So they're going to 
hit 60-70%, no problem. Uh, in Hong Kong, we're struggling a little bit. But I think with the incentives, particularly with carrots from the government, we could do better. And then we could have this uh, possibility to, to aim for back to normal later this year. Right now, we're not on that path. We're on a path of, of just maintaining the status quo. What do you think about the sticks? What, are, what do you think about... You know? I'm not so keen to see sticks myself. Um, I, I prefer to see carrots. So I prefer to see either incentives for people to get vaccinated, uh, as have been mentioned, or evidence-based policy relaxations for vaccinated people who've done their bit already to protect themselves from COVID and to protect the community from COVID as a whole. And so relaxing quarantines, relaxing masking, relaxing social distancing for vaccinated people, I think will make a lot of sense and will be evidence-based. And that's the long-term direction anyway, that uh, ultimately it's going to be our own decision whether we do masks, whether we wear masks, whether we do social distancing. In the short term, of course, because of the risk of COVID, we have to be more careful. But in the longer term, it's going to end up as our own decision. So for vaccinated people, I would prefer to see that happen sooner. Felix Chung, what about that as a model? That's an interesting idea, isn't it? Just um, say, we're just going to stop all the COVID uh, precautions. What? We're losing you. I think we're losing you, yeah. Okay. Felix Chung? Yeah. Okay, Let's see if we can we'll call, call you back. back. Yep. Um, mm. That sounds very risky. Mm. Yeah, it's not, not today, right? So in Singapore, they know their trajectory. Yeah. They're going to be at 70% by, by, say, August or September. But so you don't then, know who's going to come in, of course. You know. No, but at that point, then, is, is we, they're not going to have zero cases anymore. They, can, they, they acknowledge that they're going to have small numbers of cases from time to time, but they're not at risk of having a lot of cases, not at risk of, lot of having a lot of sick people. And so really, that's the... That, that's the long-term way out of the pandemic. We know we're, we're not going to be zero COVID forever. We're going to have COVID circulating around the world. It's going to come in from time to time. But if you can get that high vaccine coverage, that's going to protect the community against anything that, that, that's too serious. Um, so not zero, but, uh, but not uh, large outbreaks, not large numbers of sick people. Okay. Um, and Felix Chung, I think we've got you back. Hello. Uh, it's been suggested uh, by uh, quite a few people writing into uh, Backchat that uh, perhaps the, the financial secretary's uh, $5,000 spending vouchers, which are uh, due to be distributed uh, this summer, uh, could be linked in some way to people getting a vaccine. Uh, what, what do you think of that? Well, certainly it's very attractive. But, I mean, um, have to see um, how much money the, the government has to pay out. Um, have, you're talking about the 5,000 coupons. It costs about uh, 30 billion Hong Kong dollars. So if you get additional 3,000, the Hong Kong government has to pay up an, an additional um, maybe uh, 20 billion. So I mean, now the budget, the budget or the financial resource is so tight. I don't think the government will do it. So um, the, I still think the, the easiest way is to let the, those people who got vaccinated to go um, to, to get into. Um, the mainland, for example, the business sector can have, have normal business activities in mainland and, and family reunion. But that, that's up to the mainland, isn't it? There's nothing we can do about that here. Is Certainly, it? yes. But, I mean, here we have a high percentage of vaccinations rate. And that can be a negotiation uh, um, factor to work with the mainland gov uh, officials. I mean, uh, we can follow the same uh, arrangement or the rules with just like the finance sector. We just point to point, go directly from one place to the other and cannot go to the other uh, other places. If the, if the businessman have a factory in, in China, just go to the factory and come back. 
Mm. Okay, uh, Jonathan in an email says, I entirely agree with your guest. I think that's uh, um, uh, Felix Chung. Uh, we need positive incentives and not negative ones, almost as if government doesn't understand basic psychology. They clearly have the resources to give us sweetness. I just had my second jab, and they gave me a big stack of those stickers. That comes from, uh, comes from uh, Jonathan. Uh, Alonso says, regarding your news item about the football club penalising staff who aren't vaccinated, I expect other employers to follow suit. I understand that the American club has adopted a similar programme for its staff, and it's also implemented a policy that bans unvaccinated guests from entering the club. That comes from uh, Alonso. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, true or not, but uh, an interesting um, observation. Uh, Jim H says, the fact that I have received both jabs since mid-May, why can't I be allowed only one week quarantine upon my return home? He means returning to uh, to, to Hong Kong, coming to uh, Hong Kong uh, from uh, overseas. Um, and uh, Anthony says, very simple, just look at the UK in America, what made them stop hating masks and start to wear them? When the death toll surged and they're under death threat, they will do it. And why people, no need incentive, would rush to snap up the masks. Because as Singapore's Chang Chung Shing says, monkey see, monkey do. Uh, that comes uh, from uh, Anthony. Thanks very much in in indeed for that. So, uh, Felix Chong, what, sorry, just, I mean, do you, what about that Singapore idea that we have to accept that we've got to live with, with COVID and once we reach a certain number of people vaccinated, uh, we can just lower the measures and we will have cases, but we're just going to have to put up with them. Well, certainly this is a very good idea, especially you, you give a target or when it's going to end or this sort of... Um, protective measures. So uh, right now the Hong Kong government is uh, taking care of the case uh, just case by case uh, daily and uh, not do not have a full plan on how to do it. We understand that we couldn't do it last year because we didn't have uh, the vaccine. But now we have sufficient vaccine and why uh, and why not making some positive arrangement and encouraging people to take the vaccinations. I mean, the, the government have to think about that truly, have to change all the mentality at all. OK. Well, Felix Chung, many thanks for joining us, Liberal Party leader, uh, textiles and garment sector lawmaker. Uh, Professor Cowling will uh, stay with us and uh, uh, respond to your questions and uh, comments. We're also going to be talking about uh, shark's fin, with the back of that survey, uh, a new survey on shark's fin consumption. Uh, in Hong Kong, the weather, sunny periods, with a couple of showers at first. Very hot again, there's a very hot weather warning in place at the moment. Heavy showers and squally thunderstorms tomorrow. 30 degrees now, humidity is at 80%. Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about aspects of uh, COVID. Uh, we're also going to be talking about shark's fin later in the programme. With us now is Professor Benjamin Cowling, Head of the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the School of Public Health at the University of Hong Kong. Once again, our email is backchat at rthk.hk and our telephone number is 233-88266. If you'd like to join in, we'd like to hear from you, 233-88266. We've got a, we've got a lot of uh, uh, emails uh, on aspects of... Uh, various aspects um let's see uh alan says uh, on the football club can you please mention the carrots the club has offered and not just concentrate on the sticks that comes from alan as i understand it they're going to pay two thousand dollars a head i think i read uh for uh, also for staff who, who get vaccinations um uh <laughs> Jeffrey says, please make everyone who calls in and the speakers announce their vaccine status, where they have been vaccinated or not. 
That comes from Jeffrey, who doesn't say whether he's been vaccinated. Uh, CW says, well said, Ben Cowling. Why should the residents of Hong Kong who've been vaccinated suffer because of those so selfish who do not want to get vaccinated and protect themselves and others? Hong Kong has become a snowflake society and a nanny state. Well done, Singapore. Have a deadline, say 1st of September. After that, drop the restrictions and let's live our lives normally. Hong Kong, get vaccinated. That comes uh, from uh, CW. Um... Uh, Les says, uh, dear Backchat, FYI, the football club is not the only club. Many private clubs have made their position clear and earlier than the football club as well, probably because the football club is the first you've heard of. But some of the clubs already have a high percentage of vaccinated staff, so perhaps it does work whether people like it uh, or not. Uh, Alan says the problem with removing COVID restrictions and distancing requirements is that it's such a useful tool to prevent political protest or meetings. With the election supposedly in November, the government will want a total lockdown or they'll just put it off to 2047 and give up the charade. That comes uh, from uh, Alan and uh, Matthew says... Uh, responding to uh, uh, the earlier email, Hugh, if it wasn't already clear, I guess my point is that you're not not doing both any longer. The programme seems to be clearly excessively defaulting to the relative safe space of the virus topic. Two or three days out of five days a week, even at a time when the situation is relatively stable and avoiding more difficult but important current affairs topics. We all understand that RTHK, yourself and the programme staff are in an impossible situation, but rather than passively allowing a once great programme to be neutered, it would be better to either hold your ground and go down fighting or transparently and openly acknowledge that you can no longer freely cover the most important topics because of political risk uh, or because you are able to get uh, and or because you are able to get guests. You mean not able to get guests? Um, Matthew, thanks very much indeed. Yeah, I, uh, certainly uh, it's hard getting guests, um, but I, uh, I think we are doing uh, current affairs topics. Uh, we talked about the election on Monday. We talked about uh, history teaching uh, yesterday, uh, uh, the controversy over that, and we're talking about uh, June the 4th tomorrow. We, we are currently doing the virus probably uh, twice a week. Um, so, as I say, I think at the moment we are kind of uh, hitting our targets, uh, even if the uh, the wind is against us, as you say. Um, two three three eight eight two six six is our number. We've got we've got Mike on the line now. I think Mike. Good morning to you. I will never be proven guilty of group think. <laughs> so, with that in mind, I want to throw this at your listeners: mandated experimental vaccines violates the Nuremberg Code of 1947, written after the fall of Nazi regime in Germany. Can you expand a bit? I, I don't, I'm not familiar with that. Well, it's, what, is, what did the Nazis do to the Jews during World War II? They were experiments. They did all kinds of experiments on them. And the Nuremberg Code in 1947, which countries have signed up for, and this is why countries will not mandate these experimental emergency use vaccines. Because if a government did that, they would be in violation. So what they do is they put pressure on companies, they put pressure on individuals, they put pressure on to take this experimental vaccine what is it how is that difficult to understand uh, okay so what's the problem then if they're not mandating people to take it there well see here's the group think the group think is that this 
vaccine is just like polio or it's just like some of the other vaccines that people have taken and take um, to um, uh, stop a disease. And it's not. Uh, the pertinent the difference Dr. being Cowling's what? Right, yeah. Dr. Cowling's right there. Just ask him. Uh, okay, he's a, he's a PhD, not a medical doctor, but uh-huh. um, sorry, what's what's the essential difference then? What are, what are you saying is the important difference? What am I saying? Yes, you said you said it's not like a polio vaccination. In, in what's the difference? Well, you've got Dr. Cowling right there; he's the expert in it. But the the obvious differences. Is well, in, he's an epidemiologist; is, he's an expert okay, in medical statistics. Not that that years, stopped you in the past challenging in, his. Uh, expertise is in the years it's in the years that it took to develop it and how many changes took place during that development and how many improvements they made during the development of it and here we've got something that's been developed in months and then they encourage everybody to take it in fact it looks it's not it started out encouraging but now it's becoming forced upon us but it's not forced so if you want to travel freely become a banker and then take your jab and then you can travel freely if you want okay. to all right, to all right. My, <laughs> bank, 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 so it is being forced mm. Kelly? yeah so Mike, I, I actually agree with you that i'm not happy about the idea of mandating vaccination but i don't agree with you that this is an experimental vaccine so first of all the vaccines were developed and they were tested at that point they were experimental now they're they're no longer in the phase of being tested they there's a a standard process for approving vaccines a standard process that requires a series of clinical trials run to their conclusion the data analyzed uh, poured over very carefully submitted to the approval authorities, whether it's the U.S. Food and Drug Administration or uh, another authority. And there's a process that takes a number of months to go through before the full approval is granted. What's happened in the case with COVID vaccines is all the trials have been done, exactly the Uh, same kind of trials that would have been done in the full approval process. They've been analysed before they finished. So the largest clinical trials are finished are analyzed before they're finished and because of the urgency of the matter they've been granted emergency approvals not experimental approvals emergency approvals so the vaccines can be used more quickly but they are still going through the full approval process if 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 that was true if that was true then you would no longer need to sign a waiver but because you need to sign a waiver because you are it, you are being part of the experiment. Do you need to sign a waiver when you take a polio vaccination? So the, the typical process is, is that there's a full approval process, and after the full approval, then the vaccines are approved for general use. Right now, we're using vaccines under emergency approval. The waiver is not because they're experimental. The waiver is because the process hasn't run to its full conclusion, which is going to take a few more months. In the US, the BioNTech vaccine should get its full approval very, very soon and will no longer be an emergency approval vaccine. In Hong Kong, we have another process for full approval of vaccines. That's not the process that's been used for COVID vaccines, which are signed off by Sophia Chan under the emergency approval process. So I I agree with your point that we shouldn't really be mandating vaccines anyway. I'm not keen about mandating vaccines. I like people to have the choice. 
But at the same time, I, I disagree with your point that it's, it's mandatory because if you want to travel, you have to get vaccinated. That's not mandatory. If you don't get vaccinated then, then, and you're not allowed to travel, that's not a mandate to get vaccinated. That's just saying that, that, that uh, it's, it's maybe not safe for you or for the destination country or for the host country, the originating country, for unvaccinated people to travel around. And that's a short-term measure. That will not be the case five years from now, even three years from now. It's a so short-term why, measure. So why are you still needing to sign before you, to, to, to sign before you take the jab? And if you read it carefully, you're signing it with the full understanding and the knowledge of Section 3. And Section 3 is the long list of dangers of the vaccine. And for you to sign and uh, 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 without fully understanding and or reading, you're not being truthful. And how many people that I've talked to that have had the jab signed it and they haven't read a thing? So they're really going into it, into this this voluntary uh, 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 process in ignorance and in groupthink. Yeah, when, when I look at the, the amount of information on the consent form that people are asked to tick when they go to the vaccine centres, I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated that there's so much information that people are asked to read before they, uh, and, then, and then just tick the box to, to indicate that they consent. I think that could still be improved. Um, at, at the same time, I, I don't think the process is very different in, in other parts of the world. I think this is the, the process that's been landed oh, on for COVID vaccines. Oh, exactly. Oh, I exactly. So my son, who is a physician, and I asked him why he took the vaccination, and he knows all the dangers, and his answer was very revealing to me. His answer was, Dad, so what? So it kills me. So I get disease later. I'm part I can be a part of the future and a part of the experiment, and uh, they will improve it. So just have faith okay. that uh, they'll get it fixed. All right, Mike, yeah. Mike thank, yeah. many thanks for your call. Jay uh, in an email says, stop cutting hairs. Mike is right on this one. Uh, uh, Anthony says, hi, Jim. So you agree with mandatory masking? Question mark. I'm not sure which Jim that is addressed to. Uh, Carl S says, from July the 1st, Hong Kong residents who have received two jabs may travel to uh, Phuket, Thailand, with no quarantine in Phuket. Phuket is an almost 70% jab coverage and quarantine is not necessary for fully vaccinated tourists. However, on returning to Hong Kong, fully vaccinated residents still need to go into hotel quarantine. A ridiculous state of affairs. Why doesn't the government set up a bubble for its own vaccinated residents returning from Phuket? Thailand has not asked for reciprocal arrangements and so should be a very easy thing to arrange. In September, travel to Pattaya will also be uh, quarantine-free. That's uh, from Carl. Uh, Anthony says, Hugh and guests, have you all got inoculated and become a responsible person? About one year ago, when there was no vaccine for COVID-19, even seasonal flu variations were snapped up without incentive and people need to pay for it. That's uh, from uh, Anthony. Uh, uh, Jamie, uh, JM says, do your guests have a sense of the logistics stroke capacity required in giving compulsory antibody tests on fully vaccinated passengers arriving into Hong Kong at the same time as receiving a COVID test and in doing so drastically changing the quarantine requirement so that, for example, they can home quarantine, reduce the quarantine period or dispense with it altogether, ideal, especially for fully vaccinated passengers and in the process exempting people by default if with a negative result regardless of being a senior banker or not that is from uh, yes yeah, sorry james m uh, anthony said why did we not get any incentive for taking smallpox vaccine under the british administration 
Simon says, uh, just in case no one else mentions it, there is a brackets strong possibility that the reclassification of this week's policeman COVID case is a cover-up, like his senior's visit to a massage parlour which provided sexual services during office hours. Clearly our neighbours in the mainland don't trust that Hong Kong has had no local unknown COVID cases in the last 40 days, as there is still no roadmap to opening the borders between Hong Kong and the motherland. Previously the expectation was 14 or 28 days was the threshold. As our CE is blind to demographic issues in the wider country, which has necessitated President Xi to make two major changes on birth policy in the last five years and as the sea also seems to consider China's powerhouse of Guangdong as a retirement ghetto it should be no surprise that her peers who are real Chinese patriots have no time for anything she says or proposes and having been double vaccinated for three months I still can't visit a big open air space in Victoria Park tomorrow without the likelihood of arrest by 3,000 police allegedly because of Covid that is uh, from Simon um, Mr Pink says good morning the Hong Kong government um, should allow vaccinated individuals to remove their masks. This would be another incentive for locals to get a jab. Anthony says in Singapore, of course, people are more willing to get vaccinated when some foreigners were seen not wearing masks, smoking in public space. They would be deported within 24 hours. Uh, and anyone flouting the circuit break in Singapore would be punished much heavier than those in Hong Kong. Even in a lift, when there are limited people, four to be on the inside, they'll be prosecuted if they don't comply with the law. What do you think in Hong Kong? And Anthony, is that the same Anthony, says, Hi, professionals, is there an issue that shops and companies are forcing people to wear a mask and take a temperature before anyone is allowed to enter the premises? If not, why vaccination is seen as a bad move? Of course, some people say vaccination may lead to side effects, but tons of data has showed that non-vaccinated people may have a much higher rate of death than the vaccinated. And amongst those recent deaths, nearly all of them have been wearing masks in the past year, so is there a correlation between deaths and wearing masks? So, question there from Anthony. Not sure whether Ben Cowling uh, allowing people who've been vaccinated not to wear masks would really work because uh, how would anybody know? Yeah, I think in, in the United States they've said that, that uh, unvaccinated people don't need to wear masks because they're, they're much lower risk of infection. They don't pose a threat to other people uh, whether or not they wear a mask. Uh, and then it's up to the individual choice. And what's happened, I think, in the US is depending on the political leanings, you either do wear a mask or don't wear a mask. It's political leaning rather than vaccination status that affects the mask use, uh, interestingly. Uh, in Hong Kong, you're right, it would be difficult to, to really tell. Um, so in, in the short term, that may not may not be the, the right policy. But in the longer term, I think we can, we can make it so it's not a mandatory policy anymore. It's a voluntary thing. If you don't want to wear a mask, it's fine. If you do want to wear a mask, it's also fine. Um, but but it's up to you to choose. Um, right, right now, because of the difficulty in distinguishing and because the police are, are giving out tickets to people who don't wear masks, I think it would be operationally difficult to, to relax it right now. But I, I would like to see that in the future. Are you encouraged by any of the technological developments? I mean, for instance, uh, um, now you'll be able to download your vaccination certificate on the, the, the Leave Home app, for instance. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. Easy? So that, that allows the possibility of the vaccine pass to go into restaurants or other places uh, if, if we go down that path. And that was used very successfully by Israel. They said if you want to go into restaurants, swimming pools, uh, public facilities, you need to show the vaccine pass on your phone or whatever to get in. And that really stimulated a, a high vaccine uptake there. It could be used here. Um, I, I don't know. I think we've got to look seriously at, at ways to encourage vaccination uptake. And that, that may be one of the, the ways that could be chosen. I'd also like to see relaxation of policies for vaccinated people. And, and then being able to show your vaccination status, if asked, would be, would be a valuable part of that.
One quick, uh, well, a lot of more comments and emails, but one specific one from Kenneth who says, My wife and I arrived from Scotland last Saturday and are now in a quarantine hotel. We've been fully vaccinated since the end of April. We've had three negative uh, COVID tests since last Wednesday. Will we be required to do the full 21 days or 14 days, given the relaxation from the 4th of June to 14 days rather than 21? That's from Kenneth. My no, understanding is in the UK, it's still no. 21 days. Isn't uh, it? It's just changed to Group B, but it depends on when you arrive. So I think that when they arrived, it was 21 days. So it's going to be 21 days, unfortunately. Oh, if they delayed their trip luck. by a week, then, then they, they may have got out a little bit quicker. Um, yeah, it's a shame that, that, that in Hong Kong, we're still really very, very focused on, on staying at zero. And so these quarantines are still staying very, very strict. But I, it's, I changed, it's changed to two weeks now. It's, changed, it, it's, it's moved to Group B for the UK, not Ireland, but, 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 the, U, but the UK. Uh, so now it's 14 days for fully vaccinated people. But that's still a long time. I don't know if that includes Scotland, of course. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, Jim H says, I agree that mask wearing in a highly congested environment should be uh, mandatory. Uh, MT says, what Mike needs to recognise when he talks about to travel freely is that when a person travels, they become subject to the rules of travel of the carrier, including the right of refusal to carry by the carrier. And for international travel, including prior to COVID, each country sets its entry requirements like visa requirements. There never has been free travel. Uh, thank you very much indeed for uh, all your uh, comments. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, Kim says, do you think it's fair that Hong Kong people and for people who've done the right thing and been vaccinated to have to en endeavour these ridiculous restrictions and economic struggles because people have decided I don't want or I don't need the vaccine? It's not about one person. It's a selfless act done for the good of your family, friends, city, world, country, VAC, for our future. George says, had an interesting discussion with someone in the civil service over the weekend. The discussion topic was why so few civil servants getting vaccinated. The answer was there is an unwritten rule that government employees are only allowed to take Sinovac. If they were allowed to take the BioNTech vaccine instead, many government employees would get vaccinated. Can someone check if this is really a government policy? If it is, why are the employees not given a choice like everyone else? Would be good to know the truth. It's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, we speak as uh, government civil servants. Yeah. No, that's not that's not the case at all. Uh, but thank you very much indeed for uh, for uh, all the uh, many emails and many thanks to uh, Benjamin Cowling once again, Professor Cowling, head of the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics. Thank you very much indeed at the School of Public Health at the University of uh, Hong Kong. Martin says, in reply to Mary's comment about the legal aid, Mary left completely out how Hong Kong's judicial review system has been systematically abused by the pandemocrats who were supporting most cases, using them as a political tool and source of income. Hong Kong's legal aid system has been turned into a multi-million dollar cottage industry for the legal sector, which is dominated by the pandemocrats. Many of them are coincidentally legally trained, having their own law firms or working closely with a close circle of law firms taking up those legal aid cases. Just look at the numbers. In 1997, there were 112 applications for judicial review. In 2019, there were 3,889 cases jamming up the court system. Does this uh, alone not suggest that this process has been abused? People who are in genuine need of legal aid are losing out as well. That's why this political abuse of the legal aid system has to stop and an urgent review is necessary. That comes uh, from Martin. Another discussion, I guess, uh, for another day. But thank you very much indeed for that. Also, thanks to Victoria, who says, Yesterday's show on teaching history under the national security legislation was one of the best from recent memory. I'm glad to hear people's knowledge of history is excellent, which demonstrates precisely the problem the 
authority has on hand. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, finally today to uh, Shark's Fin, uh, a new study by the University of Hong Kong uh, conducted uh, last year uh, has found that the uh, the people, the number of people in Hong Kong who, uh, who eat shark's fin has more than halved uh, since the last survey was done uh, 10 years ago. John Bacon Schoen joins us now, Professor and Director of the Social Sciences Research Centre at the University of Hong Kong. Professor Bacon Schoen, good morning to you. Good morning, sir. So uh, that's a big, that's a big fall, uh, isn't it? Uh, what's the reason for it? Why do people say that they're uh, eating less shark's fin? Well, so, so the field was done such that the 12-month did partially cover the protest period. So the, the results have been delayed in being released because of the, of the COVID. It didn't really affect the fieldwork period, but definitely the protest did. So one might, it's possible that some of the reduction is due to the virus, but the primary reason people gave uh, was not cost, but was environmental concern. So it's quite clear that environmental concerns are the primary reason both for people to reduce consumption and for those who stop consumption. So people are getting the message. Absolutely, and, and particularly younger people. Uh, and interestingly, the reasons why people gave why they do continue. So in the, the first cycle we did this, nearly 20 years ago, the most popular reason for saying this was tradition. But in fact, this is a very short-lived tradition, right? There, there was almost no shots in importation to Hong Kong before the 1980s. So it's not a long tradition. But people have been persuaded by their parents, I think, because that this was the case. So you've got to understand, again, that the primary context for shots and consumption is in banquets, and particularly wedding banquets. So I think historically... Young people getting married were being told by their parents, right, you know, you, you must show that we are wealthy and you must have sharks in on the menu. So it's, it's, sta it's status. It's, it's not tradition. It's, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's showing it's off. It's really tradition. It, it's a perception issue. But I think what's become very clear is increasingly people consider it quite acceptable not to have sharks in on the menu, whether you're talking about the government putting it on official banquets or corporate banquets, or one that affects most people, of course, is wedding banquets. So I think increasingly people accept that. And interestingly, now people increasingly also accept that the, the seafood generally on the menu should be sustainable seafood. So I think there is some reason to question whether people understand what sustainable seafood is yet, but at least they, are, they accept that. And I think what's very uh, encouraging is that mo most people say that they're not happy to eat seafood which is uh, at risk of extinction so i think there is potential for this not just to be about sharks then but a, but generally about seafood that is at risk it's quite an unusual situation isn't it if, it, if it's older people who say you've got to have shark fin at weddings and yet uh, if you say bef before 1980 it obviously wasn't uh, particularly common sure. or popular so so i mean shark fin i think was a way to signal that you had plenty of money, frankly, or status, however you want to frame it, uh, for a period of time. I think in, when Hong Kong was at its consumerist height, if you like, maybe in the 80s and 90s, uh, that was how people did it. And so we just, and I think people in those days didn't fully understand the environmental impact of shark fin, right? But, the, but many of the sharks were having the fins cut off and being tossed back. So I think the, the public education by the environmental NGOs has been very effective and, and it has improved to the extent, as I said, where now people at least are aware of the fact 
that they should care about the sustainability of the seafood we eat. And also, so I think that, that part is, is quite strong. Well, and, and a number of uh, hotel groups and restaurant chains have also stopped serving shark fin at banquets, haven't they? Yeah, well, I think a lot of them have taken it off the, the printed menus. So quite a few have completely removed it, but a lot more have taken off the printed menu. So you have to ask for it. So mm. I think that's a very positive thing because it's often uh, consumed as part of a fixed menu. Right. So again, I think it tends to be on fixed banquet menus. So uh, if companies or organisations like the government say that it should be on it on the menu for something that's funded by us, that can be quite effective. So that's why I think wedding banquets now are the primary context for consumption. Do, do you know what changes people's mind? Uh, is it? The sort of the individual cruelty i'm just going because you might want to use it you know in future sure. is it like the individual cruelty to to sharks you know with them being defended well, that, so that is, is, is it a sort of is it a sort of a free-floating environmental awareness or what is it what makes what makes people change their mind well so the number one reason as i said was environment number two reason was not tasty which i i personally agree with uh number three was killed by cruel means mm. right so i think Animal cruelty is, is a component of this, it, uh, but it, it, it's less important than this broader environmental concern. But what exactly that environmental concern is, perhaps you could argue, because this, this is just a quick survey, you know, we didn't ask people in detail about that. But as I said, what's very clear is that later on when we ask people, uh, would you knowingly consume a threatened species, right? 96% said they would not consume. So I think that, that suggests to I me mean, that's the the underlying issue, right? That's the strongest issue, is that you think the species are threatened. So, so that's obviously generalizable beyond sharks to other species like the humphead wrasse, right, which are also at risk. I think that, that gives the NGOs already a target to educate the, the population about, you know, what are the other species at risk that we shouldn't perhaps be consuming. And yet it's not always particularly easy to know which uh, species are endangered and, and which aren't, or, or indeed, if, or, or indeed but, what but, you're being served. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, in fact, there is another Hong Kong EU project where they're trying to deal with the issue of, like, identifying what species you're eating. Because you see a fish in the tank, right? You may not actually know what species that fish is unless you're very knowledgeable. So, interesting, I think they have an app that helps you to identify what species that fish really is. So it's uh, facial recognition for fish, if I understand it correctly. You, what, you point it at the fish and it'll tell you what kind of fish it is? Yeah. Oh, that's so I think, I think that's there are some cool. interesting ways of using technology that, that some of the NGOs and some of the scientists are using to try and help us to understand better, you know, what is at risk and what is not. Hmm. Well, John Baconshow, many thanks for joining us once again. Professor Baconshow, Director of the Social Sciences Research Centre at the University of Hong Kong. More emails to uh, finish off. Anthony W says, I completely disagree with Matthew and others who complain about the amount of coverage you give to COVID. It is, after all, the most important changing event in our lives right now. Also, while Mike is a colourful personality, you are too generous with the airtime that you allow him, as he seems to be quite batty. I think I'm going to allow batty, uh, I think. Uh, Anthony uh, says, Israel is a belligerent country that uses digital vaccine past. Uh, Alan says, uh, Bakshan, I'm now listening to Q and on Mike say that vaccines are a Nazi plot to experiment on us. Stop giving him airtime. Um, 
Mark says, Hugh, you've repeatedly mentioned that n not many listeners other than Mike call into the programme. May I suggest that RTHK has a lucky draw to encourage people to call in. RTHK can offer spending vouchers, a flat, <coughs> anything they like to encourage listeners to call in so we don't have to listen to the diatribe of a certain regular off-the-wall callers. That comes from Mark. Uh, John says, we've now heard at least three times in the last week in both written and on the mo this morning on the phone from QAnon Mike, who engaged in his usual selection of random facts to find convoluted conspiracy. Mike's finds it significant in a sinister way that people will have to sign long waiver forms in order to get vaccinated. He implies that this is done only for COVID vaccines. He is, as is frequently the case, wrong. I get vaccinated against various diseases regularly and I'm always required to sign a waiver. Waivers are the product of legal liabilities and bureaucratic cowardice. As Dr Cowling noted, the current Hong Kong form is a usually unusually egregious example but waivers themselves are quite usual if Mike has received victims of some sort without signing a waiver then he's visiting a doctor who is either brave uh, or careless that's uh, from John Anthony says and in the future Hong Kong people who are now living in ghetto conditions will no longer afford meat shark fin and obesity and diabetes will eventually disappear uh, in Hong Kong uh, Anthony also says, you've lost me here a bit, eating less shark fin because Hong Kong is no longer an affluent place. People are living in slums, losing hopes, no future. So they have no money to eat shark fins and later they will have no money to eat and will starve to death. And on the legal aid issue, Nigel says the dramatic increase in judicial review cases is largely due to the number of asylum cases by refugees from overseas. It's nothing to do with domestic political cases. Uh, that's from uh, Nigel. Thank you very much indeed for uh, the many emails today. Jim, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Uh, here's the weather before we go. It's going to be uh, sunny today, mostly, with a few showers around at first and then very hot, with temperatures getting up to 33 degrees. And then the outlook, heavy showers forecast and squally thunderstorms tomorrow and uh, early Saturday, very hot with sunny periods. On Sunday, 31 Celsius now. Relative humidity is at 76%. Amid the pandemic, we still need to carry on our work and daily lives. All of us wish to stay healthy and avoid being infected. Vaccination is one of the most effective ways to protect yourself and your family. It also helps us resume normal life earlier. Protection starts 14 days after the second dose. Remember to maintain personal hygiene and wear a mask. Protect yourself and others. Let's get vaccinated. 9.34, the news now with Samantha Butler. Organisers of the June 4th candlelight vigil have accused authorities of selective enforcement after officials alleged that their museum to commemorate the Tiananmen Square massacre didn't have the required licences. The organisers shut the museum yesterday, just days after opening it, after officials from the Food and Environmental Hygiene Department visited the premises in Mong Kok. Barrister Geoffrey Tam has dismissed as unfair criticism complaints from pro-Beijing figures about legal aid being used for anti-government protesters and so-called yellow lawyers who support the movement. He told RTHK there were checks and balances to ensure lawyers met minimum experience requirements and had a limit on the number of legal aid cases they could take on. And a fire that burned for about 15 hours on a barge in waters off Qingyi was finally put out just